Hello and welcome to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. This is our monthly Q&A show. I'm Neil White, on the line from Spain. Hang on a second, I've, I've made a huge mistake to begin with. On the line from Glasgow is Graham Hunter, the host of The Big Interview. And on the line from Sp- oh, right there. Spain, see, proof, is Pete Jensen from La Liga Television. They are here to answer questions sent to us by our beloved socios, those listeners who support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. We start these shows by saying a big thank you. Muchas gracias to the socios who have joined us since last we spoke on these Q&A shows. So this time around, that is Ali Brown, Vincent Bryson, and David Hendry. Welcome aboard. Thank you for your support. It's great to have you. And why didn't any of you send in a question? Let's go with those of you who did. And first up is Shona McGovern. Shona, thank you for taking part. Shona says, hello, Graham. Pete, Graham. You stuck up a lot for Vinicius Jr. last season when he was getting a lot of stick for his performances and when people were doubting his finishing ability. How happy are you to see the improvements he has made this season? In my opinion, continues Shona, he is one of the most improved players in European football. His goal against Sevilla was special. Vinny and Real Madrid for the title. Look, um, I I love the question. I also welcome new socios. It's absolutely gorgeous, sumptuous. I'd even say ginger peachy to have you... Uh, with us. Vinicius, um, uh, Pete messaged me during the game about um, words to the effect of, oh my goodness, that's quite a good goal. Vinicius, Vinicius first of all, I think is important to, to look at that I, I'm a wee bit tired. I want to shuck off this, you know, you, you defended him, you spoke up for him. I think that two of the things that, that happened that were important were that across the length of the work I've done, Increasingly, people that you respect in football talk to you about what are the things our players got that need to be innate and what are the things that he's either not got or that that are faulty that you can teach. And it it really appeared to me from the word go that Vinicius had an array of things that you don't regularly see. Um, I also went back and looked... Um, at length at his games for Flamengo, um, where he played down the middle, where his finishing was extremely good. I I tried to cast back to the days when Cristiano or Leo Messi were starting, and, and it startled me to, to find how similar Vinicius's progress at his most criticised, which is where the question alights. Um, looking at Vinicius, the things that... I judged Madrid were doing to hamper his development included Zidane not having a lot of confidence or, or patience with him. Solari started him. Lopetegui just wasn't interested at all. Solari started him and, and Vinicius's work rate in closing or in trying to show for the ball or carry the game on top of the un- unbelievable skills he had appeared to me to be the type of thing you don't normally see in a showboat winger at all. So when Zidane comes in there is a little bit more game time, but it's evidently clear that Zidane is, is, is give me now. Give me now. So that doesn't mean that Zidane's at fault, but it, it did mean that there was a disparity between what Vinicius was able to offer there and then and what Zidane needed. And it was obviously clear too that they, they didn't take up Jorge Valdano and his suggestion midway through the spell where Vinicius was being most criticised for maybe lacking a little bit of coolness in his head or definition in front of goals or final pass. He's, Valdano said, and I, I regularly quote it, because I don't always agree with him by any means, he, he's regarded as a guru, but he said, Raul, 
Raul, at the same age, we went out to the practice fields and we trained and we trained and we trained on his finishing. And that was good enough for Raul. Why wasn't it happening with Vinicius? And they were playing him down the right because Hazard automatically had the left slot. And that was wrong. He, he can play on the right, but the right is definitely his stronger foot. Play him in his proper position. Gradually what's changed is, one, he's maturing. Two, the time when Benzema called him out a year ago on the pitch at, at Borussia Gladbach, coming back on for the second half of Mondi and being caught in French saying, don't, don't pass it to that idiot, he's playing for the other team. That would have slaughtered 90% of foreign young players in a big club, the most hard-nosed political club in the world. And Vinicius just went, well, one, I'll learn, two, I'll show him. And he did, didn't take any offence, came out and praised Benson immediately, sucked that up and, and did what we found, Neil, you know this, Pete's been less involved, but across our interviews, in the, in the big interview, we found people who, who continuously say, I am where I am because somebody put me down, somebody dropped me, somebody told me I wouldn't make it. And they just went, right, I'll fucking show you. Now, in the modern generation, players, we're, coach after coach reports to us that they don't all have that. Vinicius does. He's like, I will ram your words back down your throat. And Ancelotti's given him confidence. Um, the other players have recognised, and that's the key thing above Ancelotti, the other players have recognised that a long time ago, a, a, a year ago, Vinicius started to stop when he was at full tilt, stop and go, right, I'll give a simple pass. I won't do the killer pass. I'll put a simple pass. And he just built trust in them, and they gave him the ball back. And the, all the jigsaw pieces have fitted together to the extent that now, now it's back in his hands. You know, Madrid for the title, maybe. They look a really strong bet. But everything is back in the hands of Vinicius about how good he wants to become, how much time he's willing to dedicate to the things that he still has to improve, and there are many. And even when... I mean, it was... It, these are all hypotheticals, and I'll finish in this point, but on Friday or Saturday, when Ancelotti was talking, he actually got involved in the, in the, in the hypothesis that Mbappe might come. Or, or if if a if a player came to play on the on the left, Ancelotti said Vinicius plays on the left for me. Point full stop. I mean, wow. And uh, yeah, it, it, total miss hit goal against Seville. You're right. I mean, just a one of these hit and hope flukes, but it went in. When you mentioned you know that being sort of Azard's um, parking spot, you know, with a, a reserved sign on it. That goal that, that Vinicius scores, and if anybody hasn't seen it yet, then you really should check it out this morning. Um, coming in from the left is probably the kind of goal they thought they were going to get more of when they signed Azard. Were you impressed with the goal and the Shea Graham's uh, reading of the sort of upward curve that Vinny's been on recently? Yeah, it's not even one of those goals that Azard and, and Coutinho used to score as well, where you just, as you say, coming off the left and you just shoot off the right off the right foot and it curls in. It's better than that. He takes it on his chest. He's right on the touchline. He drives inside. Then he drops his shoulder and goes past, I think, Montiel. And then it's a rocket right, right into the top corner. Um, one of the things that Ancelotti said after the game was that um, he's got magic in his feet, Vinicius. We all know that. But he also mentioned about how, how fantastic he is physically. And I think one of the disservices that Zidane did to um, Vinicius was, was taking him off. 
in pretty much every game. Uh, the, the last quarter of an hour, Vinicius would, 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 would come off. And that's the time when defenders are tired. That's the time when space opens up. And even though Vinicius quite often looks absolutely exhausted about the hour point, he isn't. And, and on, on 90 minutes, you can guarantee he's the one with most left in the tank on the pitch. So to take him off for those golden la- that golden last quarter hour deprives him of, of so many opportunities. And Ancelotti hasn't done that. And he shanked one wide um, about 10 minutes before he scored the worldie. Um, but Ancelotti's got no intention of taking him off this season. And, um, and, and in terms of Shona saying, is it, you know, is it going to be Madrid's league and, 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 and Vinicius the reason for that? I think you know, we're only what, we're a third of the way in. But it, it's kind of looking that way. A lot can still happen. But no one has that player who at the moment is doing it every single week. Um, he doesn't seem to have too many physical problems. Um, you know, Ansu Fati, we all wish that he, had, he, he was in the same situation as, as Vinicius in terms of being able to play and being able to play for 90 minutes every single week. But he can and um, he's just he's so good to watch at the moment. I mean, he's the, he's the one player that you definitely switch on to watch La Liga for. You mentioned the state of play in the race for La Liga and our next socio, Lee Allen, focuses on a team who lost a little bit of ground this weekend. Real Sociedad, what do you think are their chances of doing a Leicester, writes Lee, before the weekend's games? Um, Larial lost 1-0 at Espanyol in a, in a game that was more interesting than the scoreline suggests. Pete, did you ever think that Larial were in for the long haul? Are they still? Yeah, I think they. I think they can stay in the race. Um, I didn't see the game last night. I saw the highlights. I saw the bizarre goal that they score, and Mateo Lajos gets an assist, and then it's ruled out. Uh, the the the, ref, the Spanish referee. Uh, but I but I did see the I did see the whole game against Valencia um, the previous week, and I thought that was a real test for Real Sociedad, and they didn't pass it. Um, Valencia didn't come to play football, as is the ball the last way. Um, they came to shut down. Um, they came to destroy. Um, and it was up to Real Sociedad to break them down, and they couldn't do it. Um, and not only could they not do it, but they fell into the, the Valencia trap. They got frustrated. They had a player sent off. So that doesn't bode well, because lots of teams will go now to uh, Real Arena and, and try and do the same thing. They w- probably won't do it as effectively as a ball the last team, but they'll have to deal with that sort of situation to win the league. Um, and, and so maybe winning the league is going to be beyond them. But um, I think if they try and win the league and only end up in a Champions League place, then they'll be more than happy at the end of the season. Yeah, Neil, um, this allows me to say thanks to Shona for the question, which I didn't, and remind Shona that Pete Tipperama did for the title from the start. So if the summary position that we ended up with at the end of your question proves to be right, then it's, it's kudos to, to Bailey's boots there, who wants to say something. And Villarreal for a Champions League place. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all have our feet of clay at some stage or another. Uh, uh, look, um, the, this Lee's question, I, I want to be blunt, Lee, the, the, there was always zero chance of them winning the title. There is zero chance of them winning the title now. And, and that's because th- this remains a season of, of transition. The big question for them was, could they come close to or repeat win a trophy? You know, whether that is Copa del Rey, whether that's Europa League. I was up recently interviewing Isaac and he just spat out. He said, there's not a better team than us in the Europa League. We should win it. Now... That's the right attitude, and the test is how close can they get to that, given that on their day they, they can 
they can play as well as Villarreal, whether they're as tactically sound and as difficult to beat as Villarreal proved last season, I have my doubts. But the key thing, Lee, is that we're watching a phenomenon. Um, Real Sociedad don't spend heaps and heaps of money. They don't have a massive wage bill. And the fact that, that they're promoting heavily from the academy is not you know, lovely and charming and pretty and worthy of a nice Maureen Lippman, Lippman advert. It's, it, it's, it's a massive project whereby to get so much talent from an area where they're in hot, hot competition with Athletic to get the right players and promoting so many of them into the first squad at the same time as they have done, means that one or two are going to be found to be good, but not great. That will emerge. And all of them have got to to take their knocks and learn. And you do not do that without a cadre of exceptional players. You do not do that at this speed and, and win the title. And, and if you look at, you know, Romero's good, but not good enough to see them to a title by by playing blindingly. He's that's potentially going to be exceptional, but they're far too reliant on him for a flow of big goals. They don't have enough goals to, I think, even run the title close or with Abel being fit because he's the one, he's the litmus test guy because he's arrived at that level because he's going to be 25 this season his experience, his mentality, his consistency of performance when not injured. That's where all this group of other players are aiming to get to. And they can't get to to, to it this season. And they are, you know, Real Sociedad as a group are going to be short of killer goals. They just are. Uh, therefore, I back what Pete said thoroughly that to, to go close to a title or win the Copa del Rey again, which they can do, and to somehow... Punch, Athletic, Villarreal, and most specifically Barcelona, out of the top four. And make sure that they've got guaranteed Champions League football next season, so that budget, so that the revenue, so that the spending, so that the development can continue. That this season is their title. If they can guarantee themselves top four, and play Champions League football, they, thus far this season. Villarreal have earned thirty-five million from the Champions League. Barcelona and Real Madrid have earned somewhere between sixty-five and seventy million, and we're in the group stage. So La Real, if they're in the group stage at this time next year, won't be nicking in seventy mil, but they'll probably be nicking in more than Villarreal have, and that's that's mind-blowing money for them. So, elite, no, there has never, never mind the Espanyols. There, there has never been a chance of them winning the title. They're not at that stage. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back very shortly with more of your questions. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Welcome back, and we come back with a question from Socio Ian Arna. Ian, how are you? Hola amigos, writes Ian. Given that Areola's Rayo Vallecano have made Vacas a formidable fortress this season with six wins, one draw, and added that El Tigre is hitting form, they have proved they are no clowns. Sorry for fall. Can los frangirosos, exactly what you said, Pete, maintain sixth place in a European spot or indeed move up the table? Ian always finishes with kind words for the podcast and for Graham, which I shan't repeat because he doesn't need them. Graham, do you want to start us off with start us off with uh, with Rayo Vallecano? I should add they drew one one at Valencia this week without Ian's favourite Radamel Falcao. He was a late call off. Well, first of all, there's no point. I, I I hope across this series that people listen to. I've never uh, tried to sound like a super smarty pants. I didn't see this coming at the at the promotion stage. Um, it was clear from some of his work that Irola was at least interesting and wasn't a flash in the pan. But the degree to which he's been... I mean, you you could break down parts of the Rio Renaissance really easily in that the formation that they play and the brand of football they play are, are easily identifiable and really, particularly for the neutral, thrilling. Because it, it's not all out Paco Jimenez attack at all costs, but it's... We will wage war on you for 90 minutes, 95 minutes, without cease until our legs or lungs give way. Now, tactically, there are a lot of things they do in, in how quickly they use the ball, how quickly they counter, the width that they use, their press. There are lots of identifiable elements, El Fontanero. But what has really stood out to me is that several players, let's say particularly Trejo, Isi, Alvaro, uh, Fran, are having the seasons of their lives. And that, for my judgment, has always been about, like, have you got the right tactics to fit your, your personnel? Are you asking them to deliver a brand of football that's within their repertoire? And then, you know, the hundreds and thousands on top of the vanilla ice cream, are they enjoying it? And then your little chocolate, you know, only the crumbliest do the actions, everybody. Sing the song, in fact, if you want. Tastes like Rayo never tasted before. That 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 flake that you put in the vanilla is all a one-on-one coaching. So to, to my taste, what's emerging is that blend that you get very rarely, where somebody has got a really acute sense of how to coach and teach and what to demand of his players and how to fine-tune it, because he'll need that. Bumpy times are coming. Um, in that to, to play at that ferocious pace all season, I think is a big ask for any team, never mind one of the resources of Rio. But when you blend somebody who can coach like that to somebody who can inspire individually and who's the old-fashioned man-manager who gets under player skins or bullies them, encourages them, whichever it might be, he's got that mix, which marks him down as as extremely special. And I think that long after we're talking about this Rayo era at the moment because it's still a club that one or two of those players are, are at, at the autumn end of their career. Some of them will be sold. Each season there's going to be a little bit of it. It's a quite a chaotic club off the pitch. It's, it's a very chaotic club. There's a, there's a disconnect between the club and the squad in terms of how things are going. So long after we've finished talking about this uh, beautiful Rayo season, we'll be talking about Irola because something special is going on there. 
Pete, would you like to continue Graham's ice cream sundae analogy and perhaps focus on the second part of Ian's question, which was specifically about Manuel um, Falco, who didn't play at the weekend, but might he be the uh, strawberry sauce or perhaps the ice magic on top of the of the Rayo ice cream? Yeah, it's great. It's great to see him at Rayo, but he's he's not the most important player there. Not and not by two or three uh, or four or five even. I think Treco is so important, and the fact that they managed to pick up a point against Valencia without Treco at the weekend speaks volumes for what they're all about. Issy Palasson is a great story. He's twenty six years old. I think till three years ago he was he was he was not even playing in the third tier. Uh, they've got various players like. Um, like Palisson um, and like Alvaro Garcia on the other wing, who maybe thought they were never going to get a chance in, in the big division. And they're really taking it with, with both hands this season. Um, and they've also got a couple of partnerships on the pitch that were well established last season when they came up. Savalic and, and Katena, the, the two centre-backs and the two midfield players as well, Valentin and, and Comisania. If you could guarantee that they could play pretty much their first eleven all season, then I think they'd get into Europe without any question. And I agree with Graham that Irola's a brilliant coach and, and, he, and he's going to go a long, long, much further than, than Raya. Um, but obviously you can't guarantee that and, and they don't have squad depth and they will struggle if, um, you know, Katana and, and Savalic get injuries. Um, um, so it's going to be hard for them to, to maintain it. But they're so brilliant to watch. And yeah, Falcao is fantastic. And um, how many games is he going to play this season? That's open to, to debate. They've got, they've got two other very good strikers as well. And Teki's done well since he's arrived. And Guardiola can score goals too. Um, just enjoy them. And, and, and who knows? You know, I mean, maybe they can make it last. I'm not sure they'd be allowed in the Europa League, to be honest. Because as Graham touched on, as brilliant as they are on the pitch... They're a disaster off the pitch. It's a very badly run club, despite getting the money over the years from various spells in the top flight. It's not been spent where it should have been spent. Um, the stadium is, is I mean, it's, it's kooky and, and we, we kind of like it, but it's also a disgrace. It's only got three sides to it. So they'd have to sort that out if they were to be allowed in the Europa League. But on the pitch, they're brilliant and their manager is going to go a long, long way. As a fan of a, of a three-sided stadium club, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it, you know, you mentioned, Graham, the sort of infrastructural kind of reward uh, for L'Areal if they were to get Champions League football. You know, the, the, the sort of the money in comparison to the other clubs yeah. suddenly seems huge to them. Is the same true here then if they were to squeak into the Europa Leagues? Would that money seem colossal to a club like this? It, uh, I understand your analogy and I'd say yes, because their revenue streams are relatively small, they are, they operate on this. Isn't neither none of the three of us have lived in other countries long enough to say instantly there there aren't many leagues where you see such turnover of players. Um, but that's how Rio have lived for the last well for as long as I've lived in Spain for two decades. It's like twenty in, twenty out. There's been more continuity at the moment. But for example, if if a decent bid comes in from one of their players, they literally cannot say no. Um, and therefore, were they to be playing Europa League football and garnering the relatively small in comparison benefits uh, that's compared to the Champions League, it, it would be um, an enormous leap. It will. I haven't seen their books, but every club has to budget. And your budget is not just what we've got, 
it's you budget for what might happen if we get relegated, what might happen if we we go to Europa League. They, I'll give you money that they haven't budgeted for going to the Europa League. That that would then be extraordinary revenue. And the big question, and I'm sad to say because it's not really um, what we were being asked about by uh, Fontanero, is what would they do with that money? And I'm not 100% certain that we've got the level of trust in the club as an entity, the president. I mean, don't buy, don't try to buy tickets online for them because you, you can't. You know, they're, they're, they're not in the... They're barely out of the 19th century in terms of that type of technology. So, yeah, Neil, it would. It would be a, an injection of what, what would feel like enormous wealth to them, but quite how it would be used. And quite whether it'll be enough to keep Iraola. Marcelino is somebody who I wouldn't discard athletic, even though it's they're a draw machine. But Marcelino must be looking over his shoulder and thinking, it can't be long until Athletic, potentially with a new president, because there are elections coming, think, we'll, we'll repatriate um, Erola. We'll bring a hero home. So, you know, I'm not wishing to put Marcelino under threat, although it's a little bit, the football and the results are a bit stolid at the moment. Because I think he's he's massive, massive quality, and he's won them a trophy. But he'll be, he'll be thinking to himself, I need to know where my next bet is, because... Come the summer, Athletic, whoever is in charge, will be going, well, is this the summer for Iraola? Uh, that's just the way the, the law of the football jungle works. Let's finish up part one, guys, with a question from our sponsors, Bet365. We're recording this on Monday morning, and we're going to turn it around and get it to you, hopefully before lunchtime. Uh, so if you're quick, you'll be listening before the Ballon d'Or is announced. And 365, Bet365, have asked us to pick our winners in both categories. Um, and if your choice differs with who you think is going to win, I'd like to hear your opinion on both um, both sides of that question, guys. You know, who you think is going to win and, and where your vote landed. Um, if we can have the debate started off by our sponsors, Bet365 have the men's award going to Messi. And the women's award going to Alexia Poteas, both players with Barcelona connections, of course. Let's start with you, Pete. Yeah, I think that's probably spot on for for the for the women, um, Poteas, and and it's um, a reward. It will be a reward not just for her, but for Barcelona as well. They've they've done so much wrong over recent years, uh, but one thing they've got right is is the the resources. Um, and the effort they put into to the women's side of the game and, you know, winning the Champions League topped that off last season. I think she played over just over 50 games last season, got just under 30 goals, assists as well. Um, so I think that's that's on the money. And I don't think you can argue with Messi either, really. I Had Benzema, had France won the Euros and Benzema played a reasonable part in, in that victory, then I think it should have been should have gone to him because I've so enjoyed watching him not just over the last year, but the last well since Ronaldo left, really, he's he's just morphed into a different player, um, and um, we've been singing Vinicius's praises, but probably at the moment the best player in La Liga is still Benzema, um, and I hope he's on the podium. But Messi won the Copa America, um, and we shouldn't look down our noses at that just because it's not a European trophy. It's a big, big trophy. It's a huge thing for him. We all saw the tears on the pitch um, uh, after the after they managed to win the final. 
So, you know, Messi, win, Messi wins it again. What is that, seven now? Yeah, hello, sponsors. Thank you, Bet365, for being with us. Um, we don't rehearse this, Pete and I, which would be obvious from some of the links and the bad jokes, but um, that was very good. That was straight out of Steptoe and Son. If anybody's old enough to remember Steptoe and Son, that was straight out of it. Um, but I feel the same way about Benzema. Um I know there'll be people screaming Lewandowski right now. I, th- I think Tic Tac tells us that Messi's going to win. Um, and, and given that he's the greatest player to have trod this planet, then I'm not unhappy with that. Um, but Benzema has been graceful and inspirational. And to some extent, he's painted beautiful pictures against a backdrop of controversy um, which has been pretty dogged around him over the last eight nine ten years and I think there are very few players anywhere in the world that interpret football like Benzema does and to be increasing in your knowledge and worth and athleticism in your early to mid 30s is, is astonishing he's going to end up with Numbers in the Champions League, numbers for Real Madrid, which um, pound for pound would, could, would, will put him in an all-time 11 for flipping Real Madrid. He's not going to win it, so I'm a little bit sad about that. Um, I th- I think that um, Alexia scoring twice, and if you looked at the goals, there was a little bit of fortune against Chelsea in, in how those goals came to her. And I think that she she's right now in form which dwarfs the form she was in in, in in spring of this year. And therefore, that has helped carry her over the line. I do think that in the women's game, just as in the men's game, if you do something, if, you're, if your name is engraved on a game, a big game, that tends to give you more points than I think the Ballon d'Or was originally intended for, in my humble opinion, at least. Um, having been there on the committee when it was invented and carved some of the trophies, personally. Um... I think just for a name, looky likey, Martins, um, halfway through this women's season, was at least a contender and and probably looked a greater footballer than Alexia. But once the final was won with her brace, and they sacked the coach for the misdemeanours, which I think are relatively typical of a male coach in a female dressing room, um, her form is just absolutely mushroomed and I think she'll be a worthy winner and it's incredible to think that you know at the beginning of the season that that bleeds into this year Messi was unhappy sent a bureau fax wanting to leave Barcelona's meltdown was beginning the the club president um, did a bunk there were elections enormous debt has been declared it's it's just nothing but a hotbed of of lies and incompetence. And, and yet, when the podium is occupied, the male and female winners will have spent the majority of the year in Barcelona colours. It's extraordinary. Okay, that wraps up part one of our show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to all the socios who sent in their questions. Pete Jensen and Graham Hunter, thank you very much. Thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>